Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Band Chats. My name is John Krillm, and on this episode, we are chatting with Ian Boswell. I grew up actually watching Ian Boswell. Yeah, we are close in age, but I literally aspired to be those guys that you see racing in the tour that are from America and pretty much at the top high-end level. So to get the opportunity to chat with him was super awesome. Ian was a professional cyclist for almost 10 years racing for teams such as Action Huggins Berman, other words known as Trek Livestrong at the time, Team Sky, Katusha, and yeah, he, he's, he's pretty much done it all. He's raced all three big grand tours, uh, even won a stage of the Giro in the team time trial. So to get him on and to get him chatting was super cool. Now he was forced to retire after a pretty bad accident and hitting his head and yeah, it kind of more or less woke him up to the reality of whether or not he really wants to keep doing this, which then sparked his interest to dive into a bit of gravel. But being that there was a pandemic this year that kind of put everything on hold. So we sit down with Ian and chat about what he's been doing for training and kind of a bit of how it's been coming out of the world tour and into more of an adventure style of racing. If you haven't already, please make sure that you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. But first, let's hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is also brought to you by Beetroot Pro. I've actually been using this product way before it was ever even a sponsor of the podcast. And yeah, it's actually the first beetroot powder that I've found that mixes up well and doesn't taste like dirt. So it's a win-win for sure. Uh, you gotta check it out. It's fast absorbent patented with NO3 nitrate technology and it includes muscle building vegan BCAAs, magnesium, potassium, and vitamin B12. Like I said, I've been using this at World Cups all the way to now my quarantine campaign. So. Check it out at beetrootpro.com. Welcome back to Coffee and Van Chats. This is take two. Um, yeah, I just pretty much forgot to hit the record button. I already did this with Pacey McKelvin early on uh, last week, but yeah, we're here with Ian Boswell, and Ian Boswell has this huge background in world tour cycling and pro cycling in general. He's been racing. I mean, he's been a pro for pretty much 10 years, and he might call himself retired now, but it seems that he is still racing and training just as hard as he was. Um, but yeah, Ian, how you doing, man? Sorry about that. I'm doing well. No, I, uh, I understand the technical difficulties of the podcast world. And thankfully we were just, oh, uh, we were just into it. There, yeah. Just there have been much, intro. yeah, there have been much worse fouls in, <laughs> right in the on. world of podcasting. Right on. Yeah. So let's talk about that too. Cause I have that written down with uh, breakfast with Boz. Uh, where did that all get started? And yeah, how did that even begin? Yeah, so it actually began um, back in 2018. I did my, my first and only Tour de France with Katusha and my, my good friend Marshall Opel, who maybe you know from, from the gravel world. He was working with Cycling Tips last year um, doing the Endless Gravel, or endless, yeah, endless gravel project. Um, but at the time, he, he had, had a free summer, came over to Nice and was visiting me before the tour. And last minute, just got a bar to van, well, a small like Citron van type thing from a friend and followed along the entire tour de France. And we started a daily, a daily podcast and we had some connections with, with Lance and the, the team over at we do. Um, so they actually hosted us. And at first we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, the whole thing was recorded on an iPhone and it was very, um, yeah, we just kind of scrapped it together, but it was, it was really fun. It was awesome just to be able to, you know, share an experience like the tour de France with one of my best friends, seeing him every day. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. So isn't it crazy how easy you can just start a podcast nowadays? 
Like it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, thankfully we had like a team, you know, or whatever we do had a team of people, um, you know, kind of behind the scenes, you know, editing and, and putting it together. And then, um, yeah. So in January of this year, I took on a, a full-time position with, with Wahoo and we decided to bring back breakfast with Boz. So now I'm, I'm the host. Um, I've tried to get Marshall on once in a while. Yeah. And initially it was going to be um, kind of similar to what you were doing. It was going to be like maybe 12 to 15 episodes over the course of the year, kind of all around, around gravel events. Um, and then some side stories as well. Maybe have, maybe haven't gone over to the Tour de France again, but it has turned into a weekly thing, which um, yeah, it's, that's a lot of people to speak to. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah. Like I was telling, I mean, I think I've told every guest this, but like how I started this podcast was in a full panic attack of like, how could I get good content out and how could I get cool content out? And so I had a few quarantine beers as everybody does right about now. And uh, I just started messaging cyclists and was like, would you guys be interested? And the crazy thing was, is that everybody said yes, for the most part. And so then I'm like recording two to three episodes a week. And now I'm just finally getting to a point where I can just do one a week and slow and steady, you know? And so, yeah, yeah you definitely find the rhythm of it. Yeah. Cause the last thing you want to do is be so unprofessional where you're just like, Oh yeah, let's schedule it. And then you're like, yeah, it's going to be a month from today. And it's like, what, dude, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. What are you going to schedule yeah. a month out? No, but that's, that's super awesome. So, um, so yeah, diving into that. So you're working for Wahoo. I mean, you were a pro cyclist for 10 years and me, you know, getting into pro cycling way later on. Um, I, I mean, I had other jobs before that. I even read an article that you said that it was like, you were kind of scared, like leaving the world tour. Cause it's like, you've never had another job besides kicking your leg over a bike. So what's that transition kind of been like? Yeah, it's been, um, yeah. And this year has been really unique as well. And I understand that just because, um, you know, there haven't been any events and um, you know, it's been a really unique year for most people, but it's definitely been, it's definitely been a transition, you know, going from, you know, I had some very side jobs when I was a kid, you know, mowing lawns or watching dogs or something, but never, yeah. never something that was a, a full-time position. Yeah. Um, you know, so I decided to make the, or I made the decision to stop racing before I, you know, kind of reached out to, to Wahoo or they'd reached out to me about, about a full-time position. Um, you know, and thankfully I, I landed where I did cause it's an awesome, it's an awesome company. And, you know, we've have a, we have a long work working relationship. They've been, I guess I've been with them since um, I was at Team Sky and then even through Katusha, they were a partner of the teams I was on. So I've always had a close relationship and, you know, kind of worked closely on some side projects with, with them as well. So it was, it was a very natural fit. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I was able to bring some, you know, without a college degree, still able to bring some unique kind of life experience to, to them that's beneficial to, you know, what, what we're doing there now at Wahoo. No, that's awesome. So what exactly do you do? Because Cycling News called you a liaison to the pro teams, but I think there's probably a way cooler way to say you do something at Wahoo. Yeah, liaison. it's, um, it's, I probably should speak with one of my colleagues and actually get an official title because, you know, I, I am asked and, you know, my I family will call me like, you're so busy. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Um, but somehow I'm doing a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I guess I, to a degree, I am a liaison. You know, we sponsor and partner with all sorts of different athletes and teams, you know, whether it's triathletes, you know, gravel riders, world tour teams, road cyclists. Um, so I am managing a lot of those relationships, just kind of making sure people have what they need and, you know, getting feedback on, you know, whether we're testing products or testing, you know, testing something out. Um, you know, I am doing the, the podcast with them as well. And then 
you know, kind of one of the key reasons why I was brought on to Wahoo is to kind of have a bit more of like inside, not information, but just knowledge of what athletes and kind of teams are looking for in a partnership. Yeah. Um, you know, so those, those contracts, you know, we're currently with five world tour teams, you know, some pro Conti teams, some women's teams, you know, gravel, uh, all that. Yeah. Um, so just kind of working on like that contract side and making sure that, you know, those relationships are as beneficial as possible for everyone, you know, especially as we're kind of, you know, somehow crazily already coming up to, to 2021, you know, things are starting to be kind of reevaluated going forward. So just making sure that, you know, we can kind of, you know, support the teams and athletes as best as possible, for but sure. also, you know, make sure that we're getting out um, what we're putting in. For sure. So, I mean, so what, what does that necessarily look like? I mean, are you just like, like, especially in this current pandemic, you know, a lot of people are starting to look for sponsors now from anyone. And I, I feel like, I feel like a lot of the, the people in the industry are either left or they're right in the sense of like, they're either doing super, super well, or they don't even know if they'll make it to 2021. Um, so how's Wahoo doing? I mean, I guess in the most way you can tell us, uh, in this current, current status and pandemic. I mean, I guess yeah. with the current Garmin situation, they're probably doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's no, there's been no secret about the fact that, you know, trail or trainer sales, you know, with Wahoo's, you know, our indoor kind of training ecosystem that, that we offer has been, you know, there was a huge boom at a time when we weren't really expecting to have a boom. Yeah. Um, you know, trainer season, you know, predominantly for Northern, you know, Northern Hemisphere tends to be you know, kind of fall into, you know, through winter into spring, but you don't really anticipate many people trying to get a, a kicker trainer come, you know, April or May, June, July. Yeah, sure. um, but, you know, so the, the whole indoor cycling movement has really grown, you know, just with virtual racing and kind of different platforms and, you know, a lot of European countries being on full, full lockdown, not able to train outside. So it's been pretty busy um, just trying to make sure that, you know, we can keep up with, with all the orders and stuff. So that's been, um, yeah, it's been a change for me because, you know, I, part of my position for Wahoo this year was to, you know, they were willing and able to allow me an opportunity to still race, race gravel in 2020. Um, so in the early, in the early months of, of the year, I actually was still training a reasonable amount, um, yeah. with the, with the goal of, you know, being at these races and helping out, you know, at the expos and setting up and, you know, kind of being one of the employees at these events, but also participating in the races but obviously that has, that has changed. So I've taken on a much more responsibility with, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, for sure. So, um, that being said, you know, with you racing 2020 and it probably not happening, what were your, what were, what were your kind of goals, I guess this year? Um, cause I, I mean, just for me in my aspect, it was like the moment that I found out that the Olympics were off the table, I just kind of wanted to take a step back. Um, and I wanted to do, I wanted to ride my bike. I wanted to race, but I didn't necessarily, like, it was the first time almost pretty much ever since I've ridden a bike that I really wasn't too chalked up into the results, but like, what was your thoughts, I guess, going into this gravel season? Hey guys, sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to let you guys in on a little secret that I wish I knew about sooner, and that is chamois butter. With the current pandemic and everybody jumping on bikes, you're probably wondering to yourself, am I supposed to feel uncomfortable down there? And then you decide to confide in somebody that you trust and that maybe even got you into cycling and they just say, oh, you'll get used to it. Well, in reality, it's actually an easy fix and you don't have to get used to pain. 
and that is by using chamois butter. This product is something again that I wish I knew about sooner and when I found out about it, it made my rides that much more enjoyable along with allowing me to ride longer. So don't ride in discomfort and check out chamois butter today. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, so I mean, I had, I had this crash last in March of 2019 that you know yeah. kind of ultimately is why I decided to stop racing road bikes. Um, so I had a long period of time off the bike then, which was kind of you know probably similar to what you had this this year. It was like that was kind of my my pause and like kind of reevaluating what I wanted to do. Do I want to ride bikes? You know, what does it bring me? Um, so then you know, kind of coming into the fall when I knew I was going to retire from road and do gravel. You know, kind of the probably once January, you know, for the first time in a long time, like I enjoyed Christmas. We went on a family vacation. I didn't have a bike. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like I don't have to train over Christmas. Yeah. And um, yeah, then, you know, kind of starting in January, I started to just almost like a natural kind of rhythm of my life for the last, you know, 15 years really, where it's like, all right, it's a new year, start training, you know, getting ready. And, you know, so I was riding and putting in a fair bit of time, you know, in my basement on, on the trainer or, you know, outside fat biking and was kind of gearing up for the year, but not with the same sort of, you know, volume or intensity. I wasn't doing specific intervals, just riding my bike. Um, sometimes hard, but you know, just, just riding. And, um, yeah, then I went out to, to mid South or sorry, no, I keep saying mid South. I went out to old man winter in February, which was going to be the first event of the year. And, um, yeah, it got snowed out. And so that was the you only guys are nuts for even going. Like I, you know, I live like two hours away from old man winter the week before, you know, I was kind of gearing up for it. And then like, we heard these about these storms coming in and it was like, that's the whole point of old man winter. Let's gear up, let's do it. So what was that kind of experience like of your first gravel race? Not even, I guess being a snow race. Yeah. Well, you know, so I live in Vermont now, so I had done a lot of fat biking um, prior to that, but we, which is awesome you know you like yeah. you're going super slow but you know i ride a lot of like the dirt roads and like they're snow packed or there's ice you know on the roads but you have you know this huge tire you have studs so i wasn't you know riding snow wasn't foreign to me riding snow on a semi-slick gravel tire was terrifying um you know and i i did start the race but very quickly i think we hit a like kind of the first dirt section which was just a sheet of ice after i don't know 10 minutes yeah. and I very quickly drifted to the back and you know just because my my history of of head injuries I was like yeah, not worth I mean I saw like 50 or 60 people just like crash and I was like this is not this is no longer a race for me this is like all right I'm just gonna try to get to the next road and find a try to find my way back to Lions because this is insane like it just wasn't you know I, I still to this day very much ride my bike for for exercise and to push myself and it just became it was like this is Great. It's not even, well, I mean, I was like walking parts of it. I was like, this is, this is not what I want to do on a bicycle. Yeah. I saw videos. It's just like literally people just like, it didn't matter how great of a bike handler you were and they would just be in a straight line. And then all of a sudden they're sliding on a sheet of ice. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think on, so I think the race was on a Saturday, I believe. And um, so actually on Thursday or maybe Friday, we actually did like a nice ride out there and it was muddy and, you know, wet, but there wasn't snow. And then I think that all the rain had frozen overnight and it snowed on top of that. So it's like, you couldn't see the ice, but it was just, yeah, it was an ice skating rink with four inches of, you know, Colorado powder on top. Yeah. So, you know, it's wild chatting about that because, you know, I watched your, uh, you know, your Wahoo Frontiers video, which is essentially if you guys don't already know and you could probably explain it a little bit better than i can but wahoo has created this like privateer campaign where 
essentially they're all a bunch of teammates when they're not a bunch of teammates. They have one thing in common and that's the fact that they're Wahoo users and they're all, you know, doing their own gravel thing. And it's really cool to kind of see, cause we watched a little bit of Pete Stettman's on the couple podcast episodes ago. Um, but with, but with you, I watched it and I immediately thought like, cause you're in Vermont and I think it's like in December when they filmed it. Right. Yeah. I think it was early, early December. Yeah. Okay. Cause you're in this gorgeous barn that almost looks like a wedding venue, which you call your house. That has these. It's going to be, it's going to be a wedding venue at some point. Boom, I knew it, I knew it yeah. was coming, man. It's gorgeous. And, but you're riding out in the snow. How do you go from being in the world tour with like, I don't know where you lived previously. I'm assuming either France or Spain uh, when you were in the world tour, right? Yep. Yeah. I was down in Nice, in Nice, there France for yeah, eight so, years prior. Yeah. So what's it like just coming home from Nice and then being stuck in the snow? Like, was it a quick change or were you just like, eh, you know, this is, this is home, you know, this yeah. is, I'm glad to be home. Well, I guess the thing I, I finally got to be able to like appreciate it. You know, I remember kind of the winter prior, you know, so 2018 going into 2019, I was back home over Christmas and I'd still ride my bike in the, you know, in the basement or, you know, I would maybe try to go Nordic skiing once in a while. I'd do a bit of fat biking, but it always kind of felt like I wasn't doing enough compared to what I either knew I should be doing or kind of seeing other guys and, and warmer clients who were also in the world tour. Um, so it always like, I mean, I think even in 2018 um, around Christmas time, like I, panicked I was like I need to go back to Europe now so I waited you know two days after Christmas and like changed my ticket so I could get back because I was like I got to get back to to train that was just that's you know very much the mindset of a, of a pro athlete yeah. um you know at the end of the day three or four days don't really make a big difference but I was like oh, I got to get back um but yeah this you know this year having been here full-time and been here throughout the winter um I really got to embrace you know kind of the seasons and the changing of seasons and kind of learn how to ride my bike in a different way you know fat biking is all of a sudden possible, you know, you think 10 years ago, there weren't the bikes and the studded tires to, to be able to ride on snowy ice, but now yeah. there is the equipment to ride on it. And it's actually incredibly, incredibly fun. And, you know, again, with, with indoor training, you know, I'm not sure when you started, but my first home trainer was awful. You know, you couldn't, yeah. there was no resistance and like you're in your biggest gear spinning out and you know, it's a wheel drive. And, um, you know, now with, you know, smart trainers, it's amazing how much work you can actually do inside it. And it's incredibly efficient as well. So I was still, you know, it kind of just changed my perspective of, you know, what I needed to do on the bike, because I wasn't stressing about, you know, being in the south of France, you know, training up all the climbs with the big, the big riders. Yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of an interesting perspective. Um, yeah, because I kind of felt the same when, you know, without the World Cups. I mean, when we go to the World Cups, it's, you're pretty much you're training in the snow anyway but uh because we're in europe yeah uh, whether that be you know belarus or whatever but you know coming home and just actually having a, a winter at home and honestly a spring at home has been really refreshing um because yeah usually we'd be traveling and so you know one thing i've been asking especially a lot of the pro athletes like you know what you know with the whole covid pandemic like how how has it been for you, I guess, more or less, you know, at home, like with training or even just with family life, like with me, it's been one of those things where, you know, I've zoom called people that I haven't talked to in ages and we do like a weekly game night all of a sudden, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, yeah. it's this wild reconnection with these people. And uh, yeah. So how's that, how's that kind of been for you? Um, has it just been kind of calm and steady and kind of what you thought it was going to be anyway um, for 2020 or? Has it been, you know, kind of refreshing to kind of be at home? 
it's definitely been different, you know, similar to you, I've kind of spent the last, you know, 10 years, 15 years of my life, you know, traveling pretty much yeah. constantly through the winter, you know, early winter and spring or late winter and spring. Um, so I definitely kind of got the jitters to like travel and I, you know, I got to travel. Yeah. I went over to back to Nice at the, I guess, end of February um, and came back just before, before lockdown. Um, you know, I was going to go out to mid South and, you know, events slowly started being kind of taken off the calendar. So I was still riding like in, in anticipation of like, Hey, maybe something will happen in May or maybe in June. And then kind of, we hit, we all hit the reality that there's probably going to be no events this year in North America. Yeah. Um, so I've still been, still been riding, but, you know, very much for fun of, you know, even toned back my training from, you know, the training that I was doing that was less than, you know, 20, 2019. Yeah. Um, but I've really enjoyed just being home and actually being able to like, do projects that you know things I missed out on when I was you know in Europe you know stacking wood my brother and I built a, a lean-to kind of log cabin and you know made bigger vegetable gardens and all these things that I've kind of romanticized for so long and now finally been able to actually you know get involved in those things and you know still finding time to ride my bike and explore this area that in many ways is still is still new to me you know we've been here for three and a half years but in 2018 I was gone for 10, 10 months straight so it's actually nice to be able to spend time in a place and not be living out of a suitcase. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I, I definitely, I definitely feel that and definitely understand that. Um, but yeah, so um, I kind of did some digging. I kind of did some research, and uh, yeah, so you've been you've you've been pro for ten years, like professional. Like usually, you see these guys, they even from action or um, whatever pro team, but they kind of bounce around whether they go to, you know, a domestic elite team to a pro team, but it almost seemed like you were right out of junior straight into pros and you went from that straight into the world tour. And not only did you go into the world tour, but you probably rode for one of the best teams in the world. Um, team sky. What, what was that like for the majority of your career? Like, I mean, so like, I mean, that was essentially a team designated around doing your childhood dream of racing the tour de France. What was that like? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it was, a, I guess, a long progression, you know, I raced, I kind of kept like hitting, hitting like the right results at the right times, you know, so I grew yeah. up in Oregon. And um, actually, my last year as a junior, I got selected to race on hot tubes, junior team, which, um, you know, at the time, and still is probably one of the best junior teams in, in North America, and even kind of globally. For sure. So I was lucky to get selected by them and then had the, resu the right results that year. Um, and actually, my first year under 23, I actually raced with, with Bissell Pro Cycling because I'd actually turned down a contract with, with Action, or I guess it was Trek Livestrong at the time, because yeah. there was supposedly another Cervelo test team kind of coming together. Um, and Hot Tubes was kind of like a feeder team for that, and that did not happen. So I went to Bissell, then did two years at, at Action. First, or, yeah, I guess Act it was Action now. Yeah. Um, but the first year I was pretty, pretty piss poor, to be honest. I uh, had a really good first year as a pro with, with Bissell and had a good result in Utah and definitely came in a little bit, not cocky, but I was like very confident. I was like, Oh, I'm like, for sure. all of a sudden I've made it. And uh, I went to, to Livestrong that first year and just got my, my butt handed to me. So I got my, kind of got my act together the second year, had some good rides at, at Liege, best on Liege under 23 at Utah and then at Tour de l'Avenir and got a, yeah, got a contract with a three-year contract with with Team Sky, which was you know that's like so, unheard of. Yeah, it was it was incredible. Um, you know, so it was it was a huge step up, and it was 
you know, kind of when I look, look back on it, my first year, maybe even my first year and a half, two years at Team Sky was kind of like that second year on, on Livestrong. It was definitely a, uh, a big learning curve. And I, you know, struggled, you know, I'd moved over to France and was living in a foreign country and I was all of a sudden on this, you know, big team. And um, I guess, you know, my goal for so long was to be in the world tour that once I actually got there, I never really stopped to reevaluate my goals and kind of what I wanted to do once I was there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as I was 21 years old, living on the French Riviera, you know, only thing to do to ride my bike. So I was definitely enjoying it. And I wasn't, Sounds you know, like I was still struggle. working hard. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I obviously I was still working hard, but it wasn't really until 2015, my third year on the team that um, kind of everything clicked and I had a, had a really good season and extended for another two years with, with Team Sky and then um, decided at the end of my five years with, with Team Sky that, you know, I probably should go somewhere else to see if I could, could try to make the Tour de France, which is another, you know, kind of ultimate goal of, you know, childhood dream come true. So I decided to, to go to Katusha where I could, you know, get on that get on that tour team yeah no that's awesome and and you made it to paris i did yeah a lot of people don't get to say and i mean hell a lot of people don't get to say they get to make it to the tour de france much less make it to even paris um so yeah that's 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 insane and that's super cool because yeah listening to your frontiers thing it was like oh yeah yeah like you know all i wanted to do was go to paris and it's like well dude you've been on the best world tour teams like to get there like i mean how could you not see yourself getting there and it's just kind of crazy to kind of see it and hear it now um but yeah so kind of diving back into um you know what now like what's your what's your sights for 2021 what's your thoughts i mean let's say in a perfect world you know covid lifts itself by september and you know gravel races start to pop back up 2021 and i don't think we'll ever go back to a normal but close enough what is something what is your, yeah yeah what's your kind of goals and what's your kind of thoughts towards that yeah well i would like to give you know like a good run at a few of the the bigger events um you know so i guess you know belgian waffle um dk i'm not sure what it's going to be re- renamed i i mentioned that on my podcast the other day i'm like oh geez what are you even supposed to say that race that 200 mile race in kansas yeah no uh, yeah we we, we <laughs> with that with yuri like yuri's yeah. talking about how he's won it and he's like i don't know what to call it like i've just yeah to tell people i want it you know but yeah, yeah we're we'll in just, the process we'll, we're in the process yeah we'll call it dk for the moment yeah. um and then you know there's some other more kind of adventure type races that i've kind of had my eye on and mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I really just don't even know where where I'm at or where the level of kind of gravel racing is at because I haven't really experienced it. You know, I kind of know, you know, I do have a power meter on one of my on one of my bikes, and so I kind of know like where I'm at and you know, you know, the efforts I'm capable of. But I just really don't know. I really have no idea what to expect. And I was definitely going into this year was pretty nervous, just know like not knowing what it's like. And you know, there's so many little kind of nuances to gravel that are foreign to me. You know, just coming into the you know, the aid stations and equipment and tire pressure. And I'm, I've always been a guy that, you know, I look at the tire and if it says it can take 120 PSI, I'll put in 120 PSI and in gravel racing, it's, you know, you don't <laughs> want to run. You do not want to do that. Yeah. Especially yeah. in South. That was not, a, I learned that the hard way. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So there's just, there's, there's so much new to it, which is in a way really exciting. And I think there's, you know, maybe a certain level of expectation from myself just because, you know, I do know I have, you know, an ability to, to ride hard. Um, but at the same time, I don't feel necessarily pressure to like win. And, you know, with my position at Wahoo, you know, there's other things at these events that I'm going to be responsible for. It's not just, I'm not going there and, 
you know, doing a shakeout ride and then, you know, hanging out at the hotel and then racing the next day. Yeah. Um, which I also enjoy, you know, I've had, I feel like largely, um, I've accomplished a lot, you know, kind of sporting wise in my career. So I don't necessarily feel like I have anything to prove um, to anyone, but it would still, I mean, as you know, it's still fun to go fast and it's still fun to it is. sprint it, for a, a victory. Yeah. But I think a lot of it too, it's like, you're at this level, right? You're at the highest level and then having to go backwards, you know, and almost kind of relearn is kind of difficult. You know, the ego gets in the way and you, and it also the nerves, like you don't want to look like an idiot. You know, the last thing yeah. you want to do is, you know, take a corner too hot because you pumped your tires up too much and crash out the entire field and then be the guy who crashed out, you know, you know Colin Strickland, Peter Stetna, Danny Smith, <laughs> yeah. whoever else. And it's like, you're that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> think that would, I don't think that would be me. I think I would probably be more the guy like getting dropped on the technical sections than oh, catching up yeah, on the yeah. other sections. Um, I'm not a huge risk taker anymore. Yeah. yeah. No, for I sure. Yeah. I don't want to hit my head anymore, but yeah, like you said, there's, there's so many you know, there's so many variables. And like I said, I mean, the, this, I think 2020 would have been a huge shift in kind of gravel racing, just with the, the talent that was at the races and, you know, the quality of field has changed, yeah. um, which is exciting. Um, but like I said, for me, it's very much, you know, I'm doing it because I want to ride my bike and I want to, you know, ride fast, but it's not all about the performance and, you know, kind of over the course of kind of over the, course of the pandemic and lockdown and you know not not racing um that's kind of really set in even more to the fact that you know i have a i have a full-time job and that's my priority and you know if i can sneak in a you know a lunch ride or you know longer rides on the weekend then um you know that's kind of where i'm at now it's not a i don't have necessarily the, the freedom or ability to be doing you know 20 plus hour training weeks week in week out now yeah but i mean you it sounds like you did that plus for the last 10 years so it's probably a little bit refreshing yeah, exactly. And like I said, it's nice to, you know, I still love riding my bike and getting out and like, just, you know, today I went for a little lunch ride and I was like, this is awesome. You know, and yeah. then work ended and like, I could have gone for another ride, but I was like, well, we have all these wood chips that need to be moved. So I'm going to get out the tractor and do that. <laughs> so being able to like, enjoy, enjoy other things has been, been really refreshing. But I think, you know, I'm still, I'm only 29. So I think there's still, you know, I speak, I spoke to Yuri on my podcast as well, and he just turned 50. Yeah. Um, so it's inspiring to see, you know, people like him that are, you know, have been at this for a while and, you know, they still have, you know, almost, you know, 20, 21 years on me that yeah, dude, you know, keeping, he got into it like older than you were. Like he got into it like when he was like 30 something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's very much, you know, kind of thinking about this now is like longevity. Like I want to be riding my bike when I'm older and I can't wait for, you know, when I'm, I'm not sure when masters racing starts, but 35 and like, I'm oh, jumping man. in a race when I'm 35. Just and just seeing, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, cause I, I do love riding my bike and it's like I said, it's, it's something that I feel like I'll always enjoy and that may take, you know, different shapes over the course of my life. But um, yeah, it's, it's awesome that there is, there are these events now in the U S that, you know, are competitive, but at the same time, it's not all about, you know, winning, winning the race, which is fantastic. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. There, you always, you know, when you were, I bet when you were you 23, you were like, man, I'm never going to race masters. Like I'm only going to stick to this, but you know, we love the bike at the end of the day. That's what it is. It's what it's about. And so it's kind of, cool yeah. That. So, um, yeah, we had a little, um, we had a little group ride here that we've organized. That's very small, um, you know, yeah. like seven or eight people, but we had some, some local 
horsepower out last week. Maybe you know Brandon Rim. He's a, a pro rider with Hincappy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, like another another guy, um, Mike Barton, who I think he was 12th. He's like 45 years old. And he was like 12th place at DK last year. He's an absolute monster. And it was just so fun to like actually ride with strong folks again and attack each other. I'm like, wow, this is fun. You know, because a lot of times in the world tour, you just, you know, you're being attacked. You're not doing the attacking. Um, yeah. So it's fun to actually be like a level where, you know, you can actually, I don't say play with people, but it's, you know, you're, you're the one creating the, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, yeah. Cause you know, I was talking to Greg Daniel about that, um, you know, cause he, he cracked into the track program a little bit and he's like, man, I remember when I would literally be riding the back at like past threshold and I didn't know I could go past that for an hour. And I would literally just be struggling to hang on for dear life. Yeah. Now I can come ride with you guys and you guys are telling me to slow down. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. I mean, kind of more on like a, you know, analytics side of it. Like I've, you know, I, like I said, I have a power meter on one of my bikes and I've actually surprisingly, you know, with less training, I'm, I'm a little bit heavier now cause I'm not obviously watching the diet. Um, but I've been like producing some of the best power of my entire life, which is like, wow, that's crazy. Like it's amazing how, freshness actually is is yeah. so helpful you know i spent yeah. so long being like slightly overtrained and just like you know pushing the limits and you need that for a grand tour but for a lot of these you know single day events it's not as important to be you know chronically fatigued no i think i think it did ted king justice yeah like, i think i think when they joke about ted king ruining gravel i think like that's exactly what happened is the guy took a step back and rode like he still, dude, he trains like that's like, let's not get that kind of mixed up, but yeah, he can kind of focus and just relax a little bit, have a beer once, you know, every blue moon, <laughs> you know, and yeah, he just smashed. And so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how you, you know, kind of fit into that crowd. And, you know, one thing that I love watching about these gravel races is, you know, screw the top five. I love seeing everything from like top, you know, like 15th place to fifth place because those are the closet hitters. Like you were talking about that guy that was with you that I don't even know his name. Yeah. 12th at DK and he's probably a monster and nobody will ever know who he is. You know, it's It's, yeah, he's it's, I mean, he's like, to me, he's more inspiring than, than the guys winning, you know, what, what Colin and yeah. yeah, I mean, he's like, you said, he's, he's in his mid forties. He has twin daughters who are, you know, 11 or 12. He has, you know, he's like a, you know, an astrophysicist or something. And like, he still, he still manages to, you know, do a result like that at, you know, in Kansas at, you know, off of, you know, 10 or 12 hours training a week. I'm like, that's awesome. Like that's, you know, he just, he loves it. And like, I mean, I've ridden with him a handful, I mean, quite a few times and I've just never seen someone love suffering so much, you know, cause that's, that's how he gets through these events is he just, you know, he can suffer more than other people. Well, yeah, that's what surprised me about Mid-South. You know, we're in like a group of 20 and, you you know, your usual 10 suspects are up there and you're looking around and you're like, I've never seen that guy before. That guy's wearing a cowboy hat. Like that dude's like, <laughs> and it's like, and they beat you, you know, they just ride like right when you get to the technical section, they're gone. I mean, they're doing some craziness and yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's wild to see like the gravel scene and just like, I guess, you know, coming from you know, the World Cup and Team USA and like, you know, everybody's in their proper USA gear and sitting down at the table at the hotel and everybody's in their color coded gear. 
it's wild to go to a race right after that, a gravel race where just all these different people come together and the people that you wouldn't think are the fastest are the fastest. Like, yeah. I mean, just motoring. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild to see, but you know, you are on coffee and van chats and um, yeah. In Wahoo frontiers, one thing that stuck out to me that your wife said is that you guys were thinking about a van at one point. Yeah, we've, we've considered it. Um, I grew up, my, my parents had like a, was it 84 um, Volkswagen Westphalia. So we spent a lot of time in that when I was younger, you know, whether it's camping or going to bike races, um, you know, vans this day and age are much more um, suited to, to going to bike races. You know, some of them have vans and more comfortable beds and, you know, running water. Um, We have thought about it and we actually just had some friends park up out here um last night and they were in a in a sprinter van and i was checking awesome. it out and it's it's you know it is they are amazing vehicles but um i don't know we still i still like tent camping but yeah. i don't know at some point at some point in life maybe we would you consider getting both, a van man. but I, yeah you I, can I, set I, out a tent outside <laughs> yeah, i actually i actually drove the van to polydera canyon and literally parked it in a camp spot and just popped up a tent because i wanted to hear nature and just kind of hang out and I guess, channel outdoors and explore. And yeah, like, I mean, I think that's the kind of cool part about van life is just more or less, you can kind of do what you want when you want, how you want, park where you want, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. You can yeah. park on the side of the road and a you know yeah. side street and just be sleeping inside and no one knows. So it's, it's yeah. definitely something that we're, and I know that Ted King just got a van. Um, Same with Peter Stetna. Well, yeah. Yeah. Pete actually yeah. bought one from uh, one of my colleagues at, at Wahoo actually. Yeah. That's um, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's something I would I would consider, but um, it might be it might be down the road. We have we own a house and we have a lot of projects here. It'd be hard to leave for a couple wedding, months. Yeah, just open the wedding venue, and then by the time that that's you know raking in bukus, you can just hire somebody to keep your house all. That would be ideal. That would be ideal <laughs> in a perfect <laughs> yeah. world. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> cool, man. Well, cool. Yeah. So before, before I let you go, cause I don't want to keep you all night. I know you're on the East coast and I know you're probably trying to get settled down and kind of hang out. I want to hear your craziest travel story, either like in the world tour in Europe, whatever, because I know we got them. I got stuck in customs in Belarus, which you can hear on the past podcast with Dan Bigham. Um, and I thought I was going to get arrested in Belarus and it was going to be a wild time. Um, but yeah, let's hear some of your crazy wild stories that I know that you have packed up. Um, oh, geez. I'm trying to think. My wife's sitting here. Gretchen, any crazy travel stories I have? Can you think of? Crazy travel stories. Well, I'm trying to think of some, but I, I kind of feel like that's one of the things I mastered while traveling. Yeah, like you I always, mastered, I always, you mastered <laughs> staying out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess, I mean, I figure, yeah, my, my wife's chatting in the background, but um, oh, yeah, no worries. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, cause I, I was fortunate enough. I, so I had like a, a French visa while I was living there, um, yeah. like a carte séjour. So I was always able to go in like the EU line at airports. Oh man, you, um, you were that guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Especially with the national team. That's like, see you guys, you know, like, yeah. waving it. Yeah. yeah but um, goodness, I can't think of, actually I did one of the, I did have one, strange encounter i was t- i um was on my way to tour beijing in maybe 2014 yeah and i had to send my passport to belgium to get a chinese visa um, that the team organized so i had to take the train from nice up to paris change terminals um and then up to belgium and i met him i think in antwerp actually 
Yeah. And um, so I got off the the train in I think Paris, maybe Gare de Midi or something, and had to change. Um, I had to go to a different train station. I think Gare de Nord, and I was like going to miss the. I was going to miss my connection, so I you know went outside to try to find a taxi, and there was a guy out there, and he's like, hey, like I can take you through this back door, and he had like a card, so he took me like all through all these like back tunnels, and you know eventually into a cab, and then he got me there, and I was like, oh, awesome. And so he, but then he wanted money. So, and I was like, whatever, I'll, you know, I was like 30 euros. And I go, cool. Like, just take it. I'm, I'm out. Yeah. But then I had come up through the subway without a ticket. So then I couldn't get, you know, like a lot of these European train stations, like you have to punch your ticket when you go in and then punch yeah. it when you come out. And so I couldn't punch myself out. And I came to the, you know, kind of the barrier where there was someone at a booth and I was like, Oh geez. And I was like, Oh, I lost my ticket. She's like, well, you're gonna have to pay. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like yeah. panicking. I was like, Oh geez, I'm yeah. going to get like fined or arrested. You know, I was like, had a bike with me. Yeah. Cause they take that stuff very seriously. Like they don't take that stuff lightly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I eventually I, I did make the train. So it wasn't a crazy story, but um, yeah, I can't think of anything too, too awful. Um, I mean, I've been stuck in airports and had to spend, spend nights randomly, but um, nothing that was, you know, completely dreadful and yeah i've had some also wonderful travel experiences i came back from australia um from cadell evans race and we actually got like business class tickets and it was my birthday and we were on on emirates and we got like there's like a bar in the back and yeah got a party with with Froome and a bunch of other guys on an airplane so that was yeah i probably remember that more than any bad experience yeah what was that like uh it was fun it was it's terrible to land in dubai at you know three in the morning and be hung over and have to wait and jump on another <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> flight back to Nice. Yeah. But, um, you know, at the time it's fun. And, you know, it's, it, that is one thing that I think, you know, team sky and Ineos now they do get a bad rap for being you know robotic, but there are a lot of people in the team that really do, you know, they're serious when they're focused, but they definitely have a good time when, you know, when the moment's right. No, yeah, that's true. I mean, and you can actually hear that from a lot of the podcasts that some of these guys do. Um, but yeah, well, anyway, man, I will let you get to your night. I thank you so much for jumping on with me. And guys, if you want to check out Wahoo Frontiers or anything that Ian is doing currently in this pandemic and all other kinds of crazy things, you can check out those links in the description below. But other than that, we are out. Thanks, man. Again, thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Also, this episode was brought to you by Shammy Butter and Beetroot Pro. So be sure to check them out in the link in the description below.